Welcome back to La Piragua. This is Piragua Podcast. My name is Alexis Rodriguez. I'm here with the guy you might find playing dominoes at 4 a.m. in a city near you, Mr. Capicu himself, Carlos Chaparro, a.k.a. CJ. What's going on, fam? I'm doing great, and that's the most accurate way I've ever been introduced mm. in my life. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling good. How you feeling, bro? <laughs> I'm feeling pretty you ready good. You ready for the um the Domino's Major Leagues? Yeah, maybe one day. We'll I, w- see. I wonder if there is a professional Domino League. There I feel like is. if I I've Google it, it, there probably is. It's probably some ESPN2 shit. I think I've definitely seen it's some ESPN2. ESPN shit. Yeah, or Deportes. You know? There you go. <laughs> it there might be go. up there. That's it. <laughs> Caribbean World Series. We in there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we in there. <laughs> Thank you, everyone who's been tuning in. Please follow us at Piragua Pod on social media. Give us a holler. Shoot us a message. We always appreciate the feedback, um, the support. It's been a lot of love coming our way, and mm-hmm. we, we truly appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we do this for the love of the people, love of the land. This is a podcast that explores different topics pertaining to voting gang. And, um, you know, we have an episode here today that is very pertinent because... Uh, just a few days ago, there was a foreign ship a few miles off the south of Puerto Rico uh-huh. containing a significant amount of diesel fuel after Hurricane Fiona with the uh, debacle that has been Luma and the restoration of energy or the lack thereof, especially uh, to the south and southwestern parts of Puerto Rico. There have been hospitals and supermarkets operating off generators that require um Diesel fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here was a, a a ship that had diesel fuel destined for Puerto Rico that was uh, unable to dock in Puerto Rico without a waiver of the Jones Act uh-huh. or the Merchant Marine Act of 1920. And that's what we want to have a conversation on today to talk about this antiquated law because as as you just heard... Right, the Merchant Marine Act of 1920. So we're going over a century back mm-hmm. um, of a law that requires uh, a ship traveling from two U.S. ports to be an American-owned ship built in the U.S. with a crew of majority U.S. citizens or permanent residents, mm-hmm. which puts a limitation on to what ships can come into Puerto Rico. An extreme the- limitation. Extreme limitation, and we're going to talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that a key element of this is the lack of sovereignty that comes from this law that Puerto Ricans had no say in, mm. right? So this impacts Puerto Ricans on the island and increases the cost of goods that are coming into Puerto Rico. And let's talk about why. You know, let's, let's, let's use a scenario. So within the context of the Jones Act, a foreign vessel cannot simply come from, you know, a foreign country and dock in Puerto Rico. It has to go to a U.S. port first, right? And, and in Puerto Rico's specific case, it's Jacksonville, Florida. And that foreign vessel has to unload all of its cargo and then load it onto a U.S. vessel. And then it makes its way um, to Puerto Rico. And all the costs associated with that. Now, mind you, think about the labor. Think about the logistics be- behind uh, um you know, unloading an entire ship of cargo that gets passed on to the end consumer in this situation specifically, uh, it's going to be Puerto Rico. And and essentially what it does is, so for this episode, what, what I really want to drive home for individuals is that whenever we talk about the Jones Act, we're talking about economic disenfranchisement. 
we're talking about artificial inflation. You know, the Jones Act hinders not only Puerto Rico from having any economic freedom, it hinders any type of economic development to be able to happen. Absolutely. Because because the cost of shipping, for example, um, the transportation of a container costs twice as much to Puerto Rico due to the Jones Act. Right. So mm-hmm. th- this provides a constraint to the government, to businesses and individual consumers. Right. The cost of goods imported by ships is 15 to 25 percent higher, if not more, um, in Puerto Rico than it is in the United States. Right. Yeah. And um, there was a study actually done in February of 2019 that found that shipping imports from U.S. ports cost usually 151 percent more than shipping from imports from non-U.S. ports. Now, put that into context of a place like Puerto Rico, where, you know, the median household income in Puerto Rico, according to the 2020 census, was $21,000 and a population where over 40% of the people are living below the poverty line. So when you look at the Jones Act as a as a tax, right, because it costs Puerto Ricans $367 million a mm. year, we're talking about a little over $300 a household. Or you can look at it as just a simple 7% tax on specifically on food and beverage. Mm. And it, it essentially operates as a federal tax. Exactly. On top right? of all the other taxes that Puerto Ricans are subject to that are pretty high. Taxation without representation. <laughs> Damn right. Because, again, Puerto Ricans had no say in this law that impacts our day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And it clearly hinders it because, so, in the, in the specific instance of a situation, an emergency situation, we saw this with Maria and we're seeing it now with Ian, where you have these foreign countries that are more than willing to help. But it's 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 rendered nearly impossible because of the Jones Act. This is why when these situations happen, you see in the news all of a sudden the Jones Act comes into the conversation because it literally requires a waiver from the federal government. They usually do it for ten days, fourteen days, whatever, you know, to try to help, you know, accelerate the the, the rate of help getting to Puerto Rico. Right. After Hurricane Maria, there was a ten day waiver. Hmm. Ultimately, I believe this ship was allowed to dock in Puerto Rico because there was a case-by-case case waiver, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the you know, the Biden administration has been stingy with it. Obviously, there are plenty of interests involved in maintaining the Jones Act, especially in regards to Puerto Rico. There's plenty of, of special interest groups in the United States that benefit from this law. Obviously, uh, money is a big factor, and and it's become a theme on this on this podcasts because as we examine colonialism um ultimately what we see is is this uh crisis of colonialism and capitalism leads to the prioritization of profit over people Mm. and this is just another example of it we need a a not only a waiver now but we need to repeal the jones act in regards to puerto rico specifically a full repeal and and you know the reason why it's 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 imperative that that gets done is because, you know, I, I, I really think people sometimes forget, or maybe they don't, that Puerto Rico's an archipelago. This is a chain of islands, right? So that means that we're highly dependent on waterborne products. And unfortunately, in Puerto Rico's case, at one point in its history, 7% of it, its economy was agriculture. You know, fast forward today, it's less than 1%. So every single, every single food product, beverage that we're having, you're seeing it subject to this tax, essentially. Um, and in long term, bigger picture, it really, there's no sovereignty in Puerto Rico without food sovereignty, right? 
So we're talking about elevating the conversation in a sense when we, when we are talking about the sovereignty of Puerto Rico or anywhere for that matter. Food sovereignty is a huge part of it. So if I'm importing 99% of my food. It would be like 90%. Ni- 90, 85 90, to 90%. In that area. Uh, an extra, way too much. <laughs> you know, 85 to 90% of my food. What chance does that give me as sovereignty? Mm. When you think about it. So the Jones Act not only um, acts as a form of a taxation on people who had no representation when it was being um, discussed in legislation, but it, it, it also serves as a form of control. Ooh. You know? Elaborate on that. Well, it, it's a captive market, and what the Jones Act does is cre- it create a monopoly for these corporations. So here you have a, a, an, an antiquated protectionist law. Right, that's exactly what it is. When you, when you break it down, you have a situation where the only person that is actually the only thing is protecting is these consumer prices for these corporations. So yet again, here we are in this. You know, it's, it's, it tends to happen a lot on, on this show when we're when we're analyzing either a piece of legislation uh, or a situation in Puerto Rico imposed by the United States that where you know they kind of mask it as something that's going to protect you or it's for the Puerto Rican people. But when you start breaking it down, it's only benefiting one person. It's only benefiting one place. And it usually points back to the United States, not not the people of Puerto Rico. Right. It hinders um, economic development. It's a burden ultimately to Puerto Rican people, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it's, like you said, it's essentially a tax on imported goods on islands that are dependent on imported goods. Right. And we're not the only ones. Outside of Puerto Rico, you also have Alaska that's subject to it and Hawaii, um, as well as Guam, but they actually have a partial uh, exemption. The U.S. Virgin Islands, the Northern Mariana Islands, and American Samoa have total exemption from uh, the Jones Act. How that worked, I don't know. I did not look into that. But those are those are the jurisdictions where the Jones Act would apply. And when you actually see um, in Hawaii, something very similar happening uh, in Puerto Rico, where these obviously these consumer goods are extremely more expensive. Anybody who's been on vacation in Hawaii, they usually come back and one of the first things they say, oh, everything was so expensive, expensive, expensive. And the Jones Act is a huge, huge part of that. Um, And because of these conditions that it creates economically, what else do we see in Hawaii? A majority of the native Hawaiians live outside of Hawaii. Now, what's happening in Puerto Rico? Something very similar. The diaspora is huge. It's way bigger than the people that are actually living in Puerto Rico. So I'm not saying all of it could be attributed to the Jones Act, but it's just part of that 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 arsenal that's imposed by the empire to make conditions in Puerto Rico so impossible, um, not even be economically feasible, that for a lot of people, they see no other way out besides just leaving. Um, and a lot of times we say that, oh, things are hard, things are hard, things are hard, and it's, part, it's hard, sometimes hard to pinpoint exactly what is causing that. But with the Jones Act, it's clear. You are completely strangling the, inco- the economy of Puerto Rico, you're strangling it currently, you're strangling its future, and you're definitely jeopardizing its, or holding hostage its sovereignty, really. Right, because this this situation with the ship off the southern coast of Puerto Rico that's essentially delivering much-needed aid, at this point, the diesel fuel becomes a form of aid because at the end of the day, these hospitals require the diesel fuel in order to operate the generator because... Luma Energy and the Puerto Rican and federal U.S. government are have been unable uh, or unwilling to fix the energy grid. Um, 
because of this situation, this crisis that's taken place after a hurricane, here we are talking about an antiquated law that's blocking this aid from coming into Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a, a an example of how crises begin to multiply on top of each other. Because, because ultimately, the powers that be are outside of Puerto Rico, uh. you know. And this is just another example of that colonial relationship, that lack of sovereignty, that lack of ability to really um, control, you know, to administer how things are coming in and out right. of Puerto Rico. Another thing I want to highlight um, for people is that if the Jones Act wasn't there, there's one study that estimated that if Puerto Rico was able to ex- develop its own shipping industry, there'd be, it's estimated, 13,000 more jobs and decent paying jobs. You know, they probably unionize as well. You know, so we're talking about good jobs. You can prov- get provided a livable wage and, and be part of a, a more thriving economy. The other thing that I want to highlight about the Jones Act is because it's been prohibited from having its own shipping industry, we've essentially been locked out of potential economic gains, right? So when you look at, when you quantify how much money has been, it's been costing the Puerto Rican consumer and how much money they've missed out on if they had their own uh, shipping industry and you, and you multiply that since the Jones Act has been in place, it has been estimated that that cost alone could pay the debt of Puerto Rico eight times over. That we wouldn't even be talking about a debt. You get mm. what I'm saying? That's the power of just one piece of legislation. Just one. Just one. Mm. Imagine what would be possible if we start to unravel this and, and start looking at other pieces of legislation that, 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 that choke Puerto Rico. It could potentially look completely different. So that's why when people ask me, well, what would you do? Well, I would do one of two things. If if the U.S. isn't ready to completely repeal the Jones Act, I'll say, you know what? How, let, let, let us prove that we're right. You don't want to do a full exemption? Do this. Take it out for five years. And if at the end of the five years, I am doing drastically better, which is my hypothesis would be what would happen, then you have no choice but to repeal it. If, if, if Puerto Rico thriving is something that's on the agenda. You know? But if it's not, then you would understand why they would never. And this is why mm. these, this conversation comes up a lot. I got one. I got one even better. Mm. We declare our independence mm. and then that Jones Act doesn't even apply Wouldn't to apply us. Wouldn't apply at all. Wouldn't apply at all. For sure. Yeah. I was, I was going for the path of least resistance. But, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ultimately, that is the ideal situation. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. We're going to include uh, some links with this episode to some of those studies that CJ mentioned. For some sure. articles. Um, so folks can read up on it. You know, the, the goal here is to, um, you know, give you some information so that you can run with it and explore it and have these conversations with uh, people in your community and um, with folks who are interested in making Puerto Rico better. For sure. And getting rid of the Jones Act is one of many things that would definitely move the needle in the right direction. 100 percent. 100 percent. Well, listen, the best way you can support Piragua Podcast is to share it with someone who may be interested in listening. Uh, we appreciate you all for listening. We look forward to the next episode. CJ, you got any any last words for the good people? No, as usual, just, just peace and love, my people. Peace That's and love. it. Piragua Podcast. We'll see you all next time. Peace.
Peace.